Hello, my name is Kristen and I am obsessed with all things play-based and child-led learning. Truly obsessed. I am here to help you navigate the messy and the magical on your journey to a play-based program. It is truly magical on the other side and I want you to feel each day what I feel when I walk into my classroom. I am the homeschool mama to four. I'm the founder of a play and nature-based preschool and forest school and I am here to cheer you on. I'm ready. Are you ready? Let's get going. I have Linda McGurk here on the podcast today. Linda is a Swedish American freelance writer and author who believes life is better outside. She's the author of There's No Such Thing as Bad Weather, A Swedish Mom's Secret for Raising Healthy, Resilient, and Confident Children. And her newest book, it's out now, is titled The Open Air Life. And I'm going to invite Linda to tell us the tagline of that book because there's a word in there that's really hard for me to pronounce. And so we're going to let you do it. So The Open Air Life. Discover the Nordic art of and embrace nature every day <laughs> oh my goodness I look at the go. word and well the first thing when I heard you say it the first time um I my first thought was like fruit loops I don't know why <laughs> but <laughs> um oh, so too funny I know and it's <laughs> like and I come from a well I'm in Minnesota so we're like you were like your babies over here. We're like your lost, lost cousins way over here in Minnesota. Yeah, I think this the is... most Swedish of all the states, I think. Yeah. So full of, uh, yeah, people with uh, Nordic ancestry. So yeah, that's we have cool. a whole entire store dedicated just to Scandinavian items right downtown, oh. like a few blocks oh. from my office here. So yeah, Oof, that surprised me. Yeah. Do you say Ufta? Uh, Ufta. And that I'm might be Norwegian. Is that Norwegian? <laughs> How Ufta. do you spell it? Do um, spell okay. It? I don't know if like, I think it's U-F-F-D-A would maybe be like the slang way to spell it, but there might be a better way to spell it. <laughs> okay. I'm going to go ahead and say that that's Norwegian because that doesn't sound or look familiar. Ufta. <laughs> Ufta. No. No. Okay, no. then it's not Swedish. No, no it's got to be. be Norwegian. Yeah, yeah. Ufta. Yeah, so we say that all the time over here. Ufta. <laughs> so I'm thrilled to have you here. I have I read your book. There's no such thing as bad weather. I was going to say bad clothing, and then I had to catch myself. <laughs> There's no such thing as bad weather because I founded a nature and forest preschool, and that was one of the things that we would tell parents. And so when your book came out and it had that title, I was like, I have to read this and everything in it resonated with what we were doing with young children. So it was just a very affirming, um, journey through, through that book. And then right. your newest one, the open air life was just, it's beautiful. Like the, just like the imagery that you use, it just, it like calls for you to go outside. So I want like I want the background I want all the Linda story and like, where you come from where you are what you're doing and like why you're doing it 
Well, thank you so much for having me, Kristen. I am a big uh, fan of yours too. I've followed you on Instagram for quite a while and I've found that our mutual, you know, love and devotion to play uh, sort of is what we, that's our common denominator. And then of course I found out about you uh, founding Nature Preschool as well, which is, is really cool. Um, I, I was born and raised in Sweden, but I've lived in the States for 15 years, uh, mostly in Indiana. And that's also where I, uh, had my, my daughters. And, uh, that's where, that's when I decided to write my first book. Cause I realized then that it was such a stark contrast, just the, you know, their situation in Indiana, when I compared to my own childhood back in Sweden, and also what my friends were doing with their kids in Sweden at the same time. Um, our, our children led such different lives that I felt like, you know, I think there's a, I think there's a book here somewhere, <laughs> you know, wow. there was a kind of, yeah, fr- from that sort of culture clash. Um, so that's when when my first book uh, came about, uh, and it's all about outdoor play, of course, which is considered the mo- the most important part of childhood, essential to childhood, and here in the Nordic countries. Um, and uh, so, so that that first book is a whole sort of celebration of of outdoor play and, and uh, manifesto, if you will, uh, for outdoor play, because yeah. I. I, you know, until I moved to the States, I thought it was a, like a universal child rearing practice. And then I realized that no, something is about to get lost here or has already gotten lost. And we need mm-hmm. to, we need to bring some of this uh, back. Um, and then uh, the open air life is sort of a, uh, not a, it's not a, a sequel, but it's, uh, I delve into uh, the Friluftsliv more, which is the Nordic um a Nordic tradition and, and uh, lifestyle, if you will, of uh, just finding joy in nature uh, for personal wellness and, um, you know, without any pressure to compete or achieve anything. Um, and the, the that goes kind of hand in hand with a the theme for my first book. And as of four years back, actually, I returned to Sweden four years ago. So I live here now with my two daughters who are 11 and 14 okay. um, now and uh, yeah so that's the kind of the the short story behind behind the books but bef- of course um, you know there's a I have a strong passion and, and drive for this whole children and nature movement so this is I'm a writer uh, I'm a journalist uh, initially and uh, so this is my way of contributing to the movement I suppose writing is what I do is is what I is what I can do to to help further this movement so that's why that's why I've I've written the books and I hope to keep keep writing books that will inspire people to to get outside with their kids and and to get outside outside themselves definitely well I think beyond just like beyond writing you model it I mean you live this lifestyle and you promote this lifestyle for your own children. How was the, yeah. how was the transition for your children when you moved from the United States back to Sweden? I'd say it was a pretty smooth transition because I had ever since I moved to the U.S. and I had my daughters, I intentionally tried to infuse 
Trilusliv in our in their lives in our lives um, because it was such a strong part of my heritage. I really wanted them to have a strong connection with nature, and so so we did a lot of the things that that my um, that you know that I did growing up in, in Sweden, but we did them in Indiana and sometimes in the middle of winter and people thought I was crazy and I kept doing them anyway. <laughs> yes. <laughs> people saw me out in the play on the playground in the middle of winter and, and they were like, wow, you must really, really like winter. And I'm like, well, I don't know. I I suppose I like winter, but to me it's just another like it doesn't matter if it's winter or spring or fall or summer. Yeah. We're outside every day. It doesn't matter. Like I I see something to love in every season. And, uh, and I want my kids to experience uh, all the season. I do not want them to hibernate through half the year. Yes. So, um, but yeah, so to, to circle back to your question, I, I think it was a pretty, pretty smooth transition because they, they kind of knew what was coming. And they also, we were back here for almost six months when I wrote my first book. And that was awesome. uh, back in uh, 2016 is when we were back okay um, yeah so we were here and lived here for for six months and that's what you know what the first book is about you know it follows our journey back here and I as I enrolled them in, in Swedish preschool and school um so so they had they tried some of that so so I think they they knew what was what was coming definitely um okay so free loof sleeve did I say that right free yes. loof sleeve Free loosely. Mm -hmm. That is how would you um how would you describe the definition of that word? Um so yeah, so it's a little tricky. It doesn't have an English translation, right? Just like you yeah. get. Yeah. Um and it would uh it loosely translates to open air life. So it's about okay. being outside, uh being a part of nature. Um usually revolves around simple slow activities in nearby nature you know it's all about using your getting to know your local landscape um and uh it's typically you know inexpensive uh it could be as simple as just walking around your neighborhood or playing in some local woods um foraging uh cooking over an open fire mm -hmm. go, going swimming um but like I said previously, it's non-competitive and it's um, non-motorized. So that kind of sets it apart from outdoor recreation, which is a much broader term and which is more what I think of when we think of being, you know, outdoors in the U.S. or or elsewhere outside of the Nordic countries, we might think more of sports um, and more like extreme activities or even like races and, and things like that, yes. which competitions and races are not not really part of a field of sleep. I, and I and I think this aspect is important because I think we live in such a competitive society today uh, and, and the U.S. especially is very competitive and that's kind of trickled down to yep. childhood like this whole hustle yep. culture and uh, this is a zone where you know, where kids can just be like, you know, they, cause they also have all the sports and all the activities and all the, you know, all the academics where they have to 
constantly uh, achieve things. Uh, and this is yes. something that they can do and not have to worry about any of that. It's okay to just be and to feel joy in nature. And that's what I love about it. And it's also something that people usually do as a family. It's, yes. Um, it's something that you do across generational boundaries because everybody can find something to love about it. You know, you, mm -hmm. if you go out um, in the woods, like everybody can find something to do, something that benefits them, um, just both on a physical and mental level. So I love that about nature to this day. And like I said, my oldest daughter is 14 now. Mm -hmm. Going for walks in, our, in the woods is what we still do together like on our that's our main way of spending time together and I love oh, that's it that's really neat yeah Aww. and I hope we can I'm hoping to hold on to that for as long as you know as long as I can definitely um, yeah when I was when I started reading the open air life I immediately when you were describing the word freely freely <laughs> <laughs> you were doing just fine. Free loose sleeve. Yes. Free loose sleeve. Yes. Um, I immediately thought that's that's vacation brain for me, or that's camper brain. Like that's yeah. camper life. That's cab like being at my lake cabin with my family. Like that's when you were describing like kind of the feelings around it, that's immediately what I connected with. It was like right. that this is what it would be for me. And I'm sure that yeah. that's, it's probably different for everybody. And mm -hmm. um, I'm sure that everybody at some point in their life, hopefully has been able to feel that at some, in some way, shape or form, even if it's just a walk that they were able to take with yeah. somebody growing up, if they didn't have access to the outdoors, like some children. So that's right. kind of what I correlated it with. Um, yeah. But then I immediately started thinking, okay, so how can I bring that little piece of like the camper or the cabin or um, like I grew up on a old farm in Missouri for part of my life and like the feeling of just being free as a child to go run around and play and take risks right. and the old barn that's falling down. Like, how can I just offer little moments like that for my own children? So it really got me mm -hmm. thinking about what that looks like yeah. in my own life. Um, yeah. And the other thing that I thought was so cool, I kind of make, was making connections. So you have the 10 core principles mm -hmm. and those are things that you were just describing, like right. um, non-motorized and very simple and, um, or not competitive, um, right. like disconnecting yeah. from things. And I yeah. immediately thought, okay, this is like every single principle of the forest school that I found right. the nature preschool. And I'm like, that is so cool that this concept like summarizes forest yeah. school for the children yes. that have the opportunity or have the opportunity to, um, to be able to do that. So, yeah. um, that was yeah. really cool to make those connections. Absolutely. And here in, uh, in, uh, Sweden, Friluftsliv uh, is actually, it's an important part of both the preschool and school as well. So yes. it's all, you know, part of our culture, of course. And I think, I think the great thing about forest, the forest school movement in the U.S. is that it's really kind of brought that to the U.S. in, in a fantastic way, I think. It's opened a lot of people's eyes to this whole, <laughs> this whole idea. 
So I think it's been very powerful to see that development in the U.S. I remember when I started out writing about this uh, topic back in, oh, geez, 2013. So yeah, almost 10 years ago now. And I could almost name all the preschool, nature preschools in the country. And now there are, I think the last time I checked, there were like 600 and that was, that was a couple of years ago. They were just about to do a new Mm -hmm. count. So I'm sure there are even more today. Yes, there are. We were the sixth nature preschool, um, according to, um, the Alliance, what is it called? Natural Star Alliance. Yeah. The Natural Star Alliance. So we were the sixth Mm -hmm. in the, in Minnesota, um, mm-hmm. And we were the second or the third forest school program. Um, and now the interesting thing that I have found, and I don't know if you've witnessed this at all, but the United States kind of did something to forest school that I wasn't really aware of until I saw it firsthand. I went to a nature preschool conference in Seattle and we were able to tour programs and we went to a forest school and their forest school was really just traditional preschool outside. And mm. I was really taken aback because I, mm. my understanding of forest school was really based upon free loop sleeve. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to see children like doing things outside that you would find in a traditional preschool, like really long circle times and calendars that were just put up on a tree. I was like, no, like this is supposed to be at all. And I suppose, yeah, I suppose that's inevitable when something grows fast and, you know, you get everybody and taking, you know, getting their own, uh, doing their own take on it. And yes. things are localized. And then there's also, I don't, I don't know that there's really a strong body that sort of, there, there is, um, there's one organization for forest kindergartens in the U.S., but I don't know that it, it, how influential it's been in sort of creating common standards. Yes. And so I think some of that is probably, you know, uh, yeah, a consequence of growing so fast and, and maybe not. Mm-hmm. everybody is sort of understanding the the core principles of it um yes yeah do you know did um like the forest school um way i suppose we would call it did it originate in sweden um it originated in denmark actually in the 1950s okay uh, and then it spread to norway and sweden from there and then outside of the nordic countries as well okay, okay. but even in like traditional that's the thing with swedish preschool though and norwegian too i think even in like conventional preschool it is very is very different from preschool in the u.s like mm-hmm. so first of all i mean it's it's a mix of schooling and uh it's more it's actually like a daycare um so so it's not something that you take kids to for a few hours just a few times per week it's it's for a lot of kids it's like it's the it's the child care it's it's a nursery for for working parents and so 
so that alone makes it a little different. But then also all, you know, the, in the, the curriculum for the, the national curriculum for the preschool, uh, it sort of guarantees a child's right to play outside, both mm -hmm. in like natural environments and planned environments. And uh, it is very focused around play. So it's not this sort of academic um, preschool that, that, that dominates, you know, in the U.S. Yeah. at all, and that's what surprised me so much when, when I, when my oldest daughter, you know, when I enrolled her in preschool, it was so different. Like, yes, yeah, in Sweden, it's all, you know, um, it's all about, you know, I can, I can read it from the from the curriculum, the national curriculum. It says, education in the preschool should lay the foundations for lifelong learning. That's like the core principle is like yeah. this holistic view um and so so i've been very inspired by by this curriculum and, and also um you know both forest schools and traditional schools are based on this and it, it's got a whole chapter on play yeah uh, you know it says playing is an important activity in its own right and it talks about all the benefits mm -hmm. of play and should play a central role in the education and this is something that all preschools have to follow because preschool we have universal preschool here so this okay. is like a yeah so this is what they have to follow that's um beautiful yeah. and amazing i think there's a lot of um a lot of people in the play-based world over here in the united states that are very very um have a lot of trepidation about universal pre-k here because mm. the standard is academic based yeah. preschools that maybe say play is the way that children learn but don't understand yeah. what play really truly yeah. is or they um, think that play is circle time where yes. kids get to stand for or sit for 20 yes. minutes and then <laughs> circle yes. around uh rotate and that but that's yeah I know well, in the chapter on play in your first book, there's no such thing as bad weather. Um, you talked about how you must have moved to Sweden when back to Sweden, when one of your children was like going into like their second year of preschool or something. Yeah. Yeah. She and was, you were uh, talking uh, about the, the, the kind of the flow of the day that the teacher was kind of describing to you what their day is like. And I was like, that is exactly what the children in the nature preschool I founded that's what their day yeah. is and so yeah. I, it was just it felt so good yeah to just be like oh we are like there are schools here in the U.S. Yeah. doing things great we are the minority yeah. and we are the voices that aren't heard probably as loud as everybody else and we're the yeah. ones like I was labeled we were labeled the hippie preschool here in town, <laughs> like the one that everybody's oh, scared to send their kids to because yeah. they think they're not going to be ready yeah. quotes, for kindergarten. Yeah. But right. then if you were to dissect the word kindergarten and mm -hmm. where that originated from, it's completely yep. opposite of what's being done. Oh, I know. I know. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and like, like I said, my daughter, she just went to a regular traditional preschool that wasn't even a forest school or anything like that it was just a regular you know that's what what most most kids do here definitely so yeah so um yeah. I want to chat with you a little bit about play as an adult and what that looks like for you in your open air life play yeah I think I 
I hope I never stop playing. I still yeah. play with my kids. I, like I said, I have a teenager now and she may not want to admit it, but <laughs> <laughs> but she loves to play still. And my 11 year old loves to play too. Yeah. Um, uh, I try to model that to my kids. Uh, whenever we're outside in nature, I try to like, um, I, I'll climb trees. I love playing in, in the water. Um, just any way, like nature just offers so many different opportunities to play. Yes. Um, you know, we have, uh, uh, we often go out and uh, cook food together and play. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, you, you're not supposed to, <laughs> you're always told kids are not supposed to play with fire, but you know, oh. under in a controlled environment. Yep um and yes. as long as there's no no risk of uh forest fires uh so yeah. just definitely, definitely play with fire <laughs> yes please <laughs> definitely play with fire <laughs> <laughs> yeah um, um so, so yeah yeah okay so for me play is well, really anything that's just intrinsically dri driven that you yeah. are doing and it I mean, because you want to really. Right. So yeah. it, for me, like, it doesn't have to look like as an adult being a child, it can be right. like, for me, it was, it's often like, like going for a walk with my son down the street. Mm -hmm. And, um, we, so this is an example. So I had rained a lot this spring here and, every time we would go for a walk, there would be giant like balls of worms all over the place in the sides of the road. Yeah. And like my son and I became super curious about these worms and it was like a whole theme for a whole entire week. And we were yeah. both so invested in these worms <laughs> and trying to save them and it. figuring out why there's so many and like why yeah. they're so skinny. And like that, is a form of play for me just being Absolutely. curious and like yes. discovering about the world organically yeah having yeah. an open mind about things yes. and you know feeling awe uh and also another thing that sort of another common denominator i think for play and friluftsliv is that there doesn't have to be like a set purpose, you know, you yes. don't have to have a certain goal. You just do it because it's fun. Exactly. Um, it gives you joy. And that's the same with Celia Steve. I so often I have people stressing about coming up with activities for their kids. And, you know, I have so many people ask me about activities and, and I understand, like, I understand the need for that or the need to sort of have something uh, or a plan or, but you don't, but the thing about free to sleep is that you don't have to have a set agenda. You can just, the important part is to just get outside and then yes. whatever happens after that, that's up to you. And, um, and that will be up to, there are so many factors that can influence that. Like you said, you know, if, when there's been a rain, a heavy rain, yeah, you'll find worms and yeah. there are puddles to jump in. And, and uh, I, like, I love, that part there are so many parts of my life that are scheduled and rigid and nice. um and things that I don't have con any control over I just love the way three lift sleeve just it, it, it is free it really is free yes. because you don't have to plan it uh, necessarily um and you can just go out and do it um 
in a so, simple forms. Yes. So now I, I'm going to pose this question. Um, so what do you say to parents or maybe your own children when they say I'm bored when you're outside? <laughs> um, I will. So, well, my kids don't anymore because they, they know better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, uh, Cause you're probably like, good. I'm glad you're bored. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, mm-hmm. Okay, well, I, you know, I look forward to you finding something to do. Like, I look yeah. forward to, you know, yeah, seeing what you can come up with. Definitely. Um, and I might toss out an idea or two, but yeah. like, mainly I try to just get them to, to really think for themselves. And if you just dare to I think stand back and give it time they will find something to do mm-hmm. I mean I don't know how many times I've sent my kids outside to play while you know while I finish folding laundry or doing some other boring mm-hmm. adult uh <laughs> chore yeah. and I'm like go outside and play I'll be there in five minutes and they're like at first just complaining and not wanting to go and then they finally go outside and uh you know I come come out after you know, sometime and uh, they're out there and they've invented a whole new game or, you know, yeah, doing whatever. Like one time I found them on the ground, like on their backs, <laughs> legs and, and arms sprawled out and they were eyes closed, on, like in the driveway. And I'm yeah. like, what are you like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, we're just we're playing dead because we're waiting to see if the turkey vultures are going to come pick our <laughs> eyes out <laughs> oh my goodness and I'm like okay well that seemed a bit morbid at first but then I thought about it I was like okay well this is actually a pretty interesting you know th- this is an interesting scientific uh, experiment for you know they weren't that old at the time yeah. I'm like okay so they they got a hypothesis they yeah they they because they were actually asking questions about how do the turkey vultures find their food? How do they understand that that animals on the ground are dead? And so they were tr- wanting to, to find out. So oh they, gosh. yeah, so they pretended to be dead, but yeah. no, then nothing turkey, ever came. Nothing ever came. So, <laughs> <laughs> so apparently turkey vultures are, yeah, they are smarter than they thought. Yeah, they must work on smell or <laughs> More, something. Moral of the story. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Um, One time it was just this past summer. I was out in my backyard and I like to just sit on my lawn chair and read books in the summer in the sunshine, you know, cause I live in Minnesota and we get like three months of summer and the rest is all winter. So, um, (laughs) I was enjoying my sunshine and my little guy comes out and he's eight and he like, plays next to me for a little bit. And then he's like, I'm bored. And they know when they say I'm bored, like that, I'm just going to say, good. I'm glad (laughs) because that's when the best imagination happens. So he laid down and he was just like in the grass and he was in his own head. Like I could tell he was kind of like making up his own games in his head and I could hear him making noises. And, um, all of a sudden he's like, well, he was there for quite a while. And then he's like, mom, look at this. And he had taken, so there's like a little bald patch of like earth kind of in the grass. So it made like this little arena and he had taken like little tiny twigs 
and stones and things. And he made like a whole entire like little world in this tiny little patch of grass. Wow. He was using the little sticks as the people. It was like this little tiny miniature nature world. And oh, it was the sweetest it. thing. Yeah. And yeah. like, he never would have had that opportunity had I like filled right. his day with activities or had yeah. an activity planned for him. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of the biggest takeaways here is like less yeah. is more. Yes, totally. 100%. And it might be uncomfortable for us as adults. It's yeah. uncomfortable to sit in, yeah. to just like sit in that, yeah. just like just being. Yeah. But when, when you do it and you practice it and you, you just get better and better at it. And then the children that you're with get better and better at it too. Yes. And, pretty soon like everybody's just really able to drop in and sink into that nature yeah. play without hesitation anymore yeah so it does yeah. take a I think, practice yeah it does and I think for for both kids and adults as you say but uh, I, I can wholeheartedly say that nature is the one place where I can really let go of everything like mm-hmm. it's so hard when I'm in in the house I'm always like thinking of things I need to do, um, constantly drawn to my computer. Mm -hmm. Um, But once I go outside, you know, my mind immediately tunes into the fact that, okay, this is like the most important thing I have to do right now is to just be here. And I think that's what keeps me coming back every time because I can just let go and totally be in a this relaxed state and uh, and that's why I've kept taking or you know bringing my kids outside too because I want them to experience it and I want them to have it as a tool growing up because I mean it's uh there are so there's so much stress and anxiety and depression among young adults today um that they're they're gonna need it they're gonna need every bit of it and three to sleeve is like this cultural resource for them to lean on and that's why yes. i'm wanting to share it with you know yes. the rest of the world too it's a it's a great great thing and um and i definitely hope that it it'll catch on yes and it doesn't you don't have to live near a forest or a lake or a stream or a woods or even a grassy hill you can experience this on a rooftop yes yes you can open a window I mean that's not the greatest example but like if you live in a big city open a window and sit by the window if that's all that you can do grow things inside you know plant a seed um in any way that you can bring nature into your lives um is a good good thing and use your local parks for sure they're a great resource Um, oh my goodness okay i have two more questions for you before we wrap this up based on my audience and what i know um they get asked a lot so the first is this is what we hear a lot in childcare here in the United States. Mm. Um, my child is sick and can't go outside. Mm. How do we respond to that? <laughs> <laughs> so that when they bring them to preschool, preschool. they say, mm-hmm. okay, well, if they're mm. too sick to be outside, they're too sick to go to preschool would be my response. That, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, many so. parents like have a misunderstanding that, I'm having a cold means they shouldn't go outside. Right, right. 
No, I say, I mean, there's definitely nothing that should uh, indicate, yeah, if this, if the child is so sick, they can't get out of bed, then I'd say, yeah, make it an indoor day. Um, but even like if the weather is nice and if my kids are sick and they feel like lying outside, like on the, like uh, if they like yeah. being on the deck or whatever, just to get some fresh air and, you know, the, the sun is good for our immune system. So, yes. you know, getting that vitamin D is certainly helpful. Um, but yeah, having a cold is definitely not, not a reason for just for staying inside. I mean, um, you can definitely go outside with, with a kid that has a runny nose or a cough and, and things like that. So, you know, just let the child's, um, uh, their energy levels they, they're they pretty good at regulating their their activity themselves so mm. it doesn't have yeah obviously if they're sick don't go on a five mile hike yeah. but you know yeah. they can still sit outside or just let them move at their own pace because yeah they they self-regulate pretty well um yes. there's no use in trying to force a child to lie down <laughs> lie down in their bed if they're well enough to be up um up and, and walking around so so yeah, that would be my, my response to that. And okay. So now what would be your response to it's too cold to go outside? Um, I would say, uh, dress for the weather and, <laughs> and the kids will be okay. Um, yeah. i I mean, obviously there will always be extreme weather events, but yes. you're talking to somebody here who had their kids out during the polar vortex for, mm. for probably half hour. Uh, and we were just like dressed. We had like, you know, when you're out and it's like negative 40 with wind chill, you just yeah. gotta be, make sure you don't have any skin exposure pretty much. What do you uh, use to cover your eyes? You can put goggles, like ski goggles yeah. on. Yeah. Um, or uh, what I used at that time was just like a balaclava, which covers everything. It just has uh, like a, a thin slit for the eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Which was um, my, which was okay uh, that time with my kids. But I've seen people put goggles on too. Yeah. There's so. a forest school in Minnesota called the Secret Forest play school and yes, they yeah. yeah so yes. they I love their pictures on Instagram because <laughs> yeah, they're like yeah. little kids are all like in ski goggles uh, tromping through the snow in the middle of the winter <laughs> and I'm like wow because even in in our program our program is bigger than that so it's yeah. a little bit more difficult to get yeah. all of those I mean we've got like up to 40 kids sometimes so yeah um having all of those children prepared with ski goggles too. Um, yeah. We serve a little bit younger crowd. So, right. um, but yeah, we take them out in pretty yeah. cold weather here in Minnesota. So in the, it's interesting too, because in the United States, there's such a difference in temperatures from yes. the Northern States to the Southern States. So yeah. um, there's programs in like the middle of the United States that if it gets to be 30 degrees, they're not going outside. Oh, like yeah. that's way too cold. But for us, like we're way too cold is like yeah. negative 40. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'd say even in Indiana, that seemed to be like where the where the school drew the line, pretty much. Uh, okay. Like on pa on paper, the the temperature was lower than that, but in reality, it was like yeah, around freezing. That's yeah. when, yeah, 
they got worried about i think parents complaining and also uh just uh yeah i just i always heard that argument well it's just it's too rainy it's too cold or it's yeah. too windy all all the time and that was part of my frustration you know coming from from yeah. a country where 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 you're just like hammered with there's no such such thing as bad weather only bad clothes uh from from yeah. the day you're born essentially um so oh my goodness it was just different and then down in Florida of course like 50 is freezing yeah. <laughs> so. I know I know it's funny because like I'll go down we, we were at Disneyland in California one year and it was like 50 degrees in the morning when we got up and we're waiting in line to go into Disneyland and there was like people all over that had on like knit beanies and like yeah. Ugg boots and I was like wow like we were in shorts and t-shirts it was so just the difference is so yeah. funny yeah you just become acclimated your body does yeah I mean it goes to show that people or humans are very adaptable I mean yes. you can def definitely acclimatize to to the climate definitely so just well dress for the weather yes <laughs> Okay, so Linda, tell people where they can find more of you. Anything that you want to give people, where can we send them? Yes, so definitely uh, check out my blog, rainorshinemama.com, uh, where you can sign up for my newsletters to stay up to date. Um, and for a more personal sort of view of my life, uh, Instagram is probably the way to go. Same mm -hmm. handle there, rainorshinemama. And I'm also pretty active on Facebook. So okay. those would be the main, main three. And my book, of course, is available or my books <laughs> are available uh, online pretty much anywhere where books are sold. Wonderful. Well, it was so wonderful to have you as a guest. Thank you so much for being here. Um, Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad we were finally able to to meet uh, digitally. Yes, at me least. too. <laughs> me too. All right. You take yeah. care. Have a good day, Linda. Thank you. You too. Hey, I need you to do me a huge, 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 huge favor. If you liked listening and you want to be able to hear more, can you please go on to iTunes and leave me a five-star review? I would so appreciate it. And then connect with me on Instagram. It's learning.wild. We'll see you around.